Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Independent Thought. I am joined by a friend of the show, Miss Mary Kat Damon. Mary, welcome back to Independent Thought. Thanks for coming on today. For having me on. Yeah, so we are here today talking about a, a couple of different topics. Uh, first of which, you know, we had uh, the, the Supreme Court vacancy open up due to the passing of the late uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So that is definitely a subject that we're going to talk about today. And that will be the main focus of our podcast. But before we dive into that subject, we are recording this episode a couple days after the presidential debate. So I kind of wanted to start off with that topic here and just kind of pick your brain a little bit about what exactly was your takeaway from um, the uh, quote unquote debate that we saw this week. (laughs) I think that for anyone watching, it was, as I would say, as frustrating for me as any person who is not, you know, basically a, a big Trump supporter. You know, I think that the Trump supporters left the debate feeling very happy, but I think that's probably where, <laughs> where it ends. I think everyone else is very frustrating between people who are libertarians, between people who are independents, and, you know, even like your moderate or, you know, your even some, some of the left-leaning Republicans have been upset by what happens because you couldn't really right. hear the opinions of the can- the candidates, which is the point of having a debate. So I was pretty upset. I mean, obviously I'm pretty decided. And I think that this election, most people are going in very decided, but I think for people who aren't, you know, they're really the ones who are, who are missing out, you know, when it comes, when these kinds of things happen. Yeah, no, I I understand where you're coming from completely. And it's something that I also agree with. I mean, I also have my mind made up as far as the fact that I know I'm not going to be voting for President Trump for election this year. But I think the point is, is that, you know, like, I don't want to absolutely just despise the man. Like, I wish that, like, I didn't hold so much contempt for him. But I feel as though every time that he has the ability to be more presidential, he chooses not to be. And his defenders will say that, oh, well, everyone's unfair to him, so he has to be more aggressive. And I can understand why they would feel that way, but I think there's a difference between standing up for yourself and being a bully. I think there's a difference between standing up for yourself and not holding a constructive conversation, because there was nothing constructive about what he was doing. I mean, they both agreed to the format of the debate. There was time to rebuttal. I mean, there was no reason why he couldn't just let Joe Biden speak. I, I just didn't understand the the calculus there, other than he was just trying to be as aggressive as humanly possible, hoping to get Joe to slip up, which, you know, if that's really your debate tactic, I feel bad for all the people who tuned in that night who actually wanted a substantive conversation and just left being annoyed, which is, according to most of the after the debate polls, is how most people felt. Most people just felt annoyed, like it was like the worst thing they had ever seen. I mean, would you agree? Oh, I would, I would completely agree. I think I spent that debate I remember when the Democratic debates first started and, you know, there were so many candidates and people barely got any time to talk. And I was like, oh, this is awful. This is frustrating. 
you know, like, hopefully it'll get better. And, you know, this is the worst it can be. And then this debate happened and I was like, well, I was proven wrong. So, <laughs> you know, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my overall takeaway, I you know, did a quick poll on my Instagram page if people wanted to hear my reaction to the, to the debates yeah. and my just overall takeaway from it is that I, I feel like our country as a whole deserves better than that. You know, I know that Joe Biden also said some things that I wasn't really too, you know, too keen on. But, you know, my, my big takeaway is that I, I would wish that both people going forward would be, you know, a little more just presidential, just allow each other to speak. Like, I don't want to watch someone have like a, you know, just having some kind of pissing contest on stage like that. That's not what I tune into a presidential debate for. Like, if I want that, I can go on YouTube and watch two, you know, like idiots on YouTube having that kind of exchange. I don't want that from the Democratic and Republican nominees for president. That's just inexcusable on both of their parts as far as I'm concerned. But on that note, um, some news here today is that President Trump came down with coronavirus. So there might not even be a second debate or they might have to reschedule it. Um, so that is, that is quite the news of the day. Um, what, what are your feelings on the president contracting coronavirus? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't wish that on anyone, like, I hope he gets healthy, you know, and I, I, I hope, you know, he doesn't get the awful symptoms. I am concerned that if he remains, you know, asymptomatic, even though there are some rumblings that he is a little sick, um, but I am concerned that if he doesn't get severely ill, that this is going to be a tactic where he's going to be like, well, I had it and I was fine, you know, or my wife had it and she was fine. And so, you know, like, of course I want him to get healthy and I want, you know, the best thing for him as I would want the best thing for anybody when it comes to this. But I hope that it doesn't turn into a, a political tool that, you know, he's used these kinds of things in the past though. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Right. I was listening to some news right before we came on today. It does sound like he was having symptoms yesterday and today. Uh, so it does not seem as though the asymptomatic-ness was, uh, was something that he dealt with. It seems like he is actually very symptomatic. It sounds like he's planning on holding campaign rallies virtually this week. So it sounds like he's not entirely taking it easy, which you know, I'm sure for him is a hard position to be in given it's a month from the election. And so... You know, it's probably a, a hard time for him to want to be quarantined in the White House where he can't really do anything. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't wish anything bad on the president. I don't wish anything bad on anyone. But um, yeah, so I, I don't really know what exactly is going to happen from here on out. Hopefully he'll recover just fine. But I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's definitely one of those things where I heard that it was one of his staffers who contracted it and they had her quarantine in the back of Air Force One. But, you know, I'm not trying to say that the president, you know, like had this coming, but I feel as though he's never really taken this as seriously as he right. should have. And I think it's, well, I mean, unfortunately, it's now resulting in him contracting the disease that he's taken so lightly for so long now. Well, exactly. And that's, and that's kind of what happens, you know, when you don't follow the guidelines of the CDC, especially with someone who's had as much contact with people as he's had, you know, if it, if it wasn't her, you know, his staffer, it could have been anybody, you know, and so I think that as much as I hope that he wouldn't catch it as much as I hope that I, that anyone, you know, that no one catches us, sorry, I hope that he doesn't catch it as much as I hope that no one catches it, you know, right. um, 
but it is kind of what happens, you know, like this is a extremely contagious thing happening. So, you know, I just hope that he gets better and, you know, I don't, um, I think it's unfortunate that he can't campaign a month from the election. I don't think, you know, him losing because he can't campaign is fair to him or to anybody. So we'll see what happens. You will. And we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to discuss the Supreme Court vacancy and the potential future Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana, that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. We are still joined here by our friend Mary Katamon. Mary, thanks for sticking with us through the break. Uh, glad to be back. <laughs> so we are talking today about the Supreme Court vacancy. Uh, as noted in the beginning of the episode, uh, we just recently had Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, pass away. And President Trump has nominated Amy Coney Barrett to potentially replace her. Now, the Senate has yet to confirm her because they have yet to actually, you know, like have the procedures that go to go through that. Uh, But it does seem like a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen because the Senate has, you know, a majority on the Republican ends and the Democrats honestly have no power to stop this from happening whatsoever. They have some procedural tactics that they were talking about, but they've kind of, you know, quietly hinted at the fact that they don't really have any way to keep this from happening. So, Presumptive Justice Amy Coney Barrett will be taking the bench here pretty soon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the new justice that we're going to be having as far as her taking Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat? Yeah, so I think that with anything and, and with looking at anyone who's going to be a public figure, I like to bring up things that I 
I like about them. Um, <laughs> even if it's someone who maybe I'm not totally interested in having on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of like people that Donald Trump could have picked, she makes a lot of sense on his side. Um, it's not like sometimes when we watch him pick people for the cabinet and you're like, that person has no experience in that field. Like, what is he doing? She, she makes sense. I mean, she, you know, was in the appeals court. Um, she's been a professor at, um, Notre Dame for a long time. I think that I do appreciate that he, he picks someone with experience. Um, and I would say someone who's very, I would say she's likable in a lot of senses. Um, she's definitely a human, <laughs> um, which, you know, sometimes I think that he doesn't always pick people who are relatable, but she is. Now, yeah, with that being said, I, I don't really agree with her stances on pretty much anything um, because she is so, she's, you know, she's an originalist. She was mentored by Scalia. Um, and there were things about Scalia I liked as well. Um, but the problem with originalists is that they believe that, you know, the Constitution, there's no room for making changes in that kind of sense. Not that there's not room for amendments, but they think that, you know, what's in the Constitution is in the Constitution that should be taken pretty literally. Um, and it's also the same when you look at the Articles of Confederation. Um, and I think that the world changes and it's not the same now as it was during the American Revolution, and that's okay. But I think that constantly following what the Constitution has to say puts us in a, in a dangerous position when it comes to other countries that are moving and improving. You know, we don't want to stay stagnant as a nation. And that's my fears when it comes to her. Right. So I did a little bit of uh, research on Amy Coney Barrett when I knew that we were going to be making this episode today. I originally had watched her um, her brief speech that she gave when the president nominated her a week ago. And before knowing really anything about her, the overall takeaway that I had was that she didn't come off to me as this diabolical human being the same way I kind of felt when, you know, Kavanaugh was being introduced, um, right, you know, yes. like two years ago. So I decided to try to be as impartial as I could, knowing that I personally did not know enough about the Supreme Court so I decided to go do a little bit of research. I spent an hour last night um, watching her give this lecture. It's called the Hasberg Lecture. Um, and you can look this up on YouTube if you desire. It was from 2016. It was given um, at, I believe, Jacksonville University. It was held five days before the 2016 election. And basically, she was discussing her views on the Supreme Court and what exactly the court's role is in America and the difference between what she characterized as a conservative judge and a liberal judge. Like she doesn't really view those two terms as being partisan, but rather conservative meaning like what you were saying, like interpreting the constitution as it was framed, you know, at its founding versus liberal judges being people who want to expand off of what the constitution means and kind of try to take the country a little bit forward. Uh, so she really um, resents the idea of the words conservative and liberal being used in their current partisan framework. Um, one of the things that she spoke about was just her, you know, affection for uh, Justice Scalia, who passed a few years ago, because apparently she clerked for him. And apparently she tries to model herself off of him. 
And the way that she said that he was a justice was that he decided to take all of his personal preferences and try not to engage them into his decisions as far as the Supreme Court justice were concerned. And one example that she cited was that he had to overhear a case where someone in Texas had burned a flag. And he personally was really like appalled by someone who was burning a flag, but he felt like it was his constitutional duty to uh, interpret the constitution as it was written. And he determined that even though he personally hated this act that happened, he thought that it was that person's constitutional right to express their um, freedom of speech through the burning of the flag. And so he voted for that person's right to do so. So with all that being said, my overall takeaway is, is that if she claims to be someone who feels the same way that he does, I have a hard time being so resistant to somebody who is willing to put their personal feelings aside and just interpret the Constitution um, as the Constitution versus trying to, you know, push their personal biases onto it. Right. Um, and I, I completely agree. I think there is, again, like, I really respect that about the Supreme Court and honestly the, about the way that judges are supposed to be in our judicial, uh, I'm sorry, our judicial system in the United States is supposed to be because it, it isn't supposed to be this bipartisan, you know, conservative, liberal kind of concept. It is supposed to be more of that, you know, there's the originalist and then there's the people who believe, you know, in expanding upon. And I think that both are necessary to have a good balance. I think if we only had people who, you know, saw the constitution for what it is and believe in it only for what it is, I think that we would have a lot of issues in the United States still today. But I think that if we also only expanded, you know, and didn't look at what our founding fathers meant, we would also no longer really be the United States of America. You know, I think that there are things that people will say something and I'll be like, well, yes, that might be the case in Finland, but we're not Finland, you know, when people right. say, you know, like different things and like, but this is the US and there are going to be differences and that's okay. So I think that I really respect that about her. I do have concerns, um, you know, cause I just don't think we're going to agree on some issues and that's okay. But I really do like that she is young and a woman yes. and I appreciate that he picked, you know, a younger woman because sometimes I feel that, you know, there's women, and especially because I am moderate and I think most of the women my age who are represented in politics are going to be very liberal, which is great. I love to see that, but it's, it's nice to see someone who isn't super liberal, who's a younger woman, even though I'm only 23, but... <laughs> Right. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm 48. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with being, you know, politically conscious about what's going on in the world. Right, you know, and, exactly. And I think that I, I know that, you know, President Trump, you know, probably picked a woman because he probably has saw his struggling poll numbers with women across the nation, which, right. you know, to be fair, you know, still a good thing. Doesn't matter what the, I mean, I'm sure he didn't have the best intentions, but, you know, it's still an important thing that he did that. I am under the belief that, you know, just talking on the Supreme Court really quick, and I wanted to pick your brain on this. I'm under the belief that I don't like the idea of the lifetime appointments. 
And let, oh. let me tell you why really quickly here. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that it's fair to the justices on multiple levels. You know, if you are in your 80s and maybe you just want to like just retire, I mean, like, I don't think that you should be pressured to wait, you know, like until you know, another president comes into office because you don't want to leave while a current president is in office for political reasons. It just, it just feels really just like nasty to me, the, the pressure that's put on these justices to retire when the country wants them to versus when they want to. And so I think it'd be better off for the country, but especially the justice as a whole, if they just had some kind of term, not like essentially like where they would need to get reelected like a normal politician, but just like a standard term, like maybe if they would get elected, that they would just hold that court for 20 years, let's just say. And then after the end of their 20 years, that they would just be rotated out by whoever the president was at that point in time. So they wouldn't have to feel this unnecessary pressure to wait to retire because maybe, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted to retire a couple years ago, but she couldn't because she felt pressure to stay in because President Trump was in office. And I feel bad if that was the case. Maybe she passed not really wanting to be on the court anymore. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I just hate that the justices feel that sort of pressure. What do you think? I would, I would agree. I think that someone, because I think that if I was in that position, like if, you know, I got lucky enough to get nominated for the Supreme Court, of course, you're going to say yes. But in the back of your mind, you do always have that idea that, you know, this is, this is now the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. And I think that in any, any position, like anything, no one wants to be stuck in a moment in time where this is the rest of your life, you know, and you know that, or this is the rest of your life until you step down, you know, and people really insult, I think, sometimes when justices step down, depending on the time that they step down. I think that, you know, when when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, there were people who were immediately upset, um, rightfully so, because she didn't step down when Obama was in office. And, you know, now we're kind of in this position where there's going to be someone appointed who's very different than her, um, you know, than her ideology. With that being said, I think that, uh, right, like a 20-year limit would be good, um, you know, because there's people also on the Supreme Court who were appointed when George W. Bush was in office. And when George W. Bush was in office, I was a kid. <laughs> and the <laughs> and country I think was about a different that. place. It's, right, like the, the United States was different then than it is now. And I'm not saying that they don't have the right to lead or that they shouldn't be leading, but I am saying that it's interesting to have an impact from you know, two presidents ago still there. Um, so I think that's another, point to look at it too. And I think in respect to the justices having a 20 year term, because at least then, you know, when your 20 years is up, you know, it, it doesn't really matter who's president, you know, it's, it's time to go and, and that's okay. And I think that sometimes there's a, an honor and a respect to that. So. Yes. And, and it's not exactly like it's a short term either. 20 years is still an incredible exactly. chunk of time. And a lot of these mm -hmm. justices, I mean, if you think about it, just like logistically, we're talking about Amy Coney Barrett being a young justice, like young in the sense of like, she's like, I think she's 47 years old, I believe. So yeah, I mean, 48 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So she's 48 years old. Like, that's not young for the rest of us. I mean, no. 
<laughs> I, you know, like no offense to any people who are older listening to this, but you know, like 20 years from now, she'll be 68. I feel like, is that not a perfect age to retire? I mean, I mean, we already have the retirement age at 64, I believe so, or 65. But I, I think the point that I want to finish here on is that I was trying to examine, uh, Amy Coney Barrett's record a little bit more to kind of figure out what kind of justice she would actually be and what kind of cases are coming up on the Supreme Court. And there is a case uh, coming up that everyone's mentioning, which is the uh, Obamacare case that's coming up the week after the election. And just for a little bit of context for people, you know, um, in that lecture I was referring to earlier, Amy Coney Barrett actually referenced Obamacare back in 2016. And she was saying then that uh, she thought it would be really, I mean, just she really said that she believes in what they call precedent being set on the court so that once the court decides something is constitutional, it's really not, not practical to go back and claim that it's now unconstitutional, just like a few years later. But what she did say where there are certain aspects of laws that can be changed. And so she was referring to, I think with Obamacare, that um, certain subsidies and certain like uh, the individual mandates might not be um, completely constitutional. And so as we know, President Trump has gotten rid of the individual mandate, which now no longer punishes people if you decide not to get health care. And so the upcoming case is actually saying that, well, if the individual mandate has been deemed to be no longer a part of the Affordable Care Act, well, maybe we can strike down other parts of it. And one of the parts that they are looking at striking down is uh, certain states being required to uh, give out uh, contraceptive care. So that seems to be the, the main crux of the challenge that's coming to the Affordable Care Act uh, coming here next month. So I don't really, I don't really know like what exactly a court should say to that. I mean, what, what are your opinions on, on this? I want, I want to pick your brain because obviously I'm not a woman. Do you believe that yeah. healthcare should provide contraceptive care? In, in my opinion, I, I believe that it should. I think that contraceptive care is important for, uh, for women's health um, in many degrees. So I think that sometimes people don't realize that what we, what we refer to as contraceptive care you know, can address a lot of things. So it can address hormone imbalances in women. It doesn't always mean that this is used for you know, the prevention of pregnancy. But I also think that that is a, an individual's decision to make and that it's not really the healthcare provider's business, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and right. not to say it so harshly, but, you know, that's kind of how it goes. And I think that there's probably things that my healthcare provider covers that maybe I don't agree with, but um, contraceptive care is one of the ones that I do. And it's not always my business, but everyone uses their health care for, and I don't think it's the honestly the business of the state. I think that if it's available to someone, they should be able to use it. Um, and especially when it comes to when we're looking at, you know, these these pro-life, pro-choice debates, and I'm not going to get super deep into that, but you know, people really really want to help prevent, um, you know, for lack of a better term, if they want to help prevent abortions, then I think that contraceptive care is an important part of doing so. And so when it looks at, you know, Amy Coney Barrett, I don't really know how she's going to vote 
on that. Uh, you know, from her track record, a lot of people are looking at that maybe that she, you know, is in favor of states saying, hey, you know, healthcare providers don't have to cover contraceptive care. And, you know, that concerns me because I live in a state that's a purple state. Yes. And so the politics in my state can be very unpredictable at any moment in time. And so I think that maybe for people in states that lean blue, it's not a big concern and it's not a big deal. But I think for those of us who live in red states or those of us who live in states that aren't always um, consistent on their politics, it's concerning. You know, right. and that maybe that even though I'm not on, you know, our states, basically our states of Obamacare, which is called Badger Care, even though I'm not on that, there, there are women that are. And I used to work in Badger Care um, when I was an intern. And I used to work with, you know, pregnant mothers um, and people who had miscarriages and, you know, people who had young babies. And I think that contraceptive care was an extremely important part of that program. And it would be hard to see that go. Right. And, you know, my quick two cents on this piece is that I feel as though when it comes to healthcare, as somebody who has also worked in the healthcare industry, I think there's a big difference between, you know, medications and procedures that are elective and things that are necessary in order to, you know, maintain good health. And if the state is going to provide healthcare as it does currently through the Affordable Care Act, I don't believe that there's any room for them to be limiting what would be, you know, essential care, which I believe contraceptive care does fall under that category for, as you said, it does more than just, you know, you know, people are taking it more for than just as methods of birth control, but rather they're also taking it to balance hormones and other things like that. So I would hope that the Supreme Court uh, would just allow that to stay the way that it is. Uh, I think to just kind of like, finish this topic a little bit, the thing that really stood out the most to me when it came to Amy Coney Barrett was that uh, looking at her record, it did seem as though like after some investigations were done into like how she's been voting over the years since she's been on the federal bench that the one thing that really stood out to investigators wasn't so much that her decisions on social issues, but rather her decisions when it came to business issues. Uh, so I will leave everyone with just this little piece of information. Most of the cases that the Supreme Court hears are not social issues. I know that whenever we think about the Supreme Court, we always think about abortion and gun rights and things of that nature. In this case, you know, um, you know, a gay marriage, something that came up, you know, a few years back. But most of the cases that the Supreme Court hears are matters of businesses. And from this investigation that was done, it would seem that Amy Coney Barrett had ruled on the side of corporations over individual workers almost like 70% of the time when she was hearing uh, cases about basically corporations versus workers. Uh, so I thought that that's something that people should keep in mind when they're evaluating our new justice that we're going to be having is that whether she decides to be, you know, um, conservative or liberal when it comes to social issues, it seems that she's very well pro-corporation. Uh, so that is one knock that I definitely have on her because I feel as though we already have enough of that going on in the Supreme Court. So it's a shame that we're going to have another justice who is pro-corporation joining the bench. But besides that, I um, just ask everyone to keep an open mind when it comes to this new justice and do your own research on her. Um, don't let the media kind of like sway you one way or the other. You know, I don't think things are as black and white as they want to make them out to be. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, everything, everything you just said. Yeah, I completely agree. Because um, really, a majority of it of what the Supreme Court sees is that those financial decisions and um, and in many different ways as well. So it was good to always plug that as well because you know there are a lot of pro business people on the Supreme Court right now, and it looks like we're going to have another one. You know, but in, in four years, that might look different. So exactly as you said, do your own research and, you know, make sure, you know, you keep updated and informed. Yeah. And I want to thank you for coming back on the show today. Mary, could you please just uh, close out this episode by just telling everyone where they can find you on social media? Yeah. So my, you can always follow me on Instagram. Um, a lot of my plus size modeling work is on there still I might do might kind of update it we're, we're gonna see where I kind of go with my Instagram right now but um, currently it's Mary M-A-R-Y underscore cat underscore demand and that's D as in dog E M as in Mary O N as in Nate and D as in dog again um, and you can always follow me on my Twitter as well my Twitter is it's just my name so it's Mary and then my last name is Parizic. So that's P as in Peter, A-R-I-Z as in Zebra, E-K. And that's probably the best places to follow me because I don't really have any other social media. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for everyone who has been listening out there. And I will see you all next time.